0: Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Charles Cleary. Charles Cleary is president and CEO of Leadership Outcomes, and I going to talk a little bit about health care, where we are, why we're spending so much money on health care, and a look at the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Chip has joined us before on the program, and he's a very interesting guest, and I like his perspectives, and certainly it raises a lot of questions. So first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, doctor. Uh, My first question for you is let's take a look about that, about health management, the Affordable Care Act. We do spend a lot of money on health care, and obviously we're trying to get some sort of a roadmap to try to control those costs and yet continue to provide quality care. Where are we now?
1: You know, I think we're moving in the right direction, certainly. And before the Affordable Care Act, um, it could have been uh, a story very, very different. Uh, The thing I want to stress is what can we do as we work to improve the system and at the same time draw the most value out of the system so we can uh, be able to uh, point to the fact that we still have the best system in the world and it's very highly efficient, organized correctly. And I think from a continuity point of view, let's just review some of the things that uh, we're trying to achieve uh, with all the new changes. The three mandates really do remain the same. That's access, for as many people as we possibly get into the system, uh, retain and maintain the uh, quality of service and care that is uh, traditionally available here in the United States, but do it in a, in a way that the cost is uh, measured. And that, of course, boils back to the efficiency item that I just mentioned. I think using this term, uh, Dr. Continuity, also points to the fact that this is a journey. This doesn't end. It, it constantly changes as we move forward. And uh, I did read something. It was from Coopers. They were talking about the global healthcare care objective. And let me just read it here. It's to finance and deliver the highest quality of care to the maximum number of people at the lowest possible cost. Now, that certainly is a global objective, but it in my opinion, at least, does pertain here to the United States. So with those things in mind, uh, we are moving those mandates forward, and we're sticking to them. They're very, very important that we keep a focus on those three items. Uh, What are some of the challenges? And, again, I just want to quickly just review some of the challenges because, unfortunately, they have not gone away. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is not a zero-sum game. As we know, the clock is ticking, the uh, cost of medicine, surgery, et cetera, continues to rise. I just heard uh, today, as a matter of fact, that the increase in the cost uh, associated with healthcare will be increasing by 7% next year. I believe it's 5.8% this year. So that's a big number. It's a big number on uh, 3.6 trillion, which of course is the goods and services that are related to the medical field that uh, the United States spends each and every year. So. Looking at some of the key challenges, um, there really are no standards uh, to speak of that uh, standards, of course, drive many, many other industries to be very, very effective. We have a, uh, a payment system that really does encourage volume versus quality outcomes. Uh, in that respect, we're just looking at misaligned incentives. Uh, there really is no transparency, which is a key item when it comes to management.
0: You mentioned three really good points. I mean, the one thing I think – I don't think there's any primary care doc out there who disagrees that quality is really the best way to go. They'd rather have quality their measurement than volume, I think. Most of us who see patients every day, I don't get excited about seeing someone in six minutes. I want to know my patients, take care of them, anticipate problems, prevent issues down the road. And and certainly quality and quality lined up with these incentives with the payers and everyone's a great idea. So I think most of us say that's the direction we want to go. We have to figure out how to do it. But you mentioned the whole thing with EMR. I mean, one of the things that I was intrigued about recently was the whole end-to-end transformation models, Apple's health kit, those things you know the tools most of us using for lack of a better term they they're, they're probably the worst products of all computers in all various things that we touch in our lives i mean i can go into a bank i have better results i can play my kids video games i have better results but for healthcare we're using these clunky machines essentially that were built to meet government Rules and guidelines to answer the particular questions for meaningful use one, meaningful use two, and they seem to be getting in the way, slowing down, and adding to cost. I mean, hospitals are picking up ten, twenty million dollars individually in costs, and they're certainly not being paid for by the government. And they can't at a time when they don't have money. Well, how do we deal with that?
1: It, it is indeed a problem. Uh, you might recall from the last time we got together that the effort to introduce electronic health records on an accelerated basis into the medical field, was a primary piece of the high-tech uh, act, which was a piece of the uh, the efforts of the government. There are 400 electronic health record systems. Uh, that number is staggering. Uh, the really severe problem is that most of them don't talk to each other. So they have a, a, a problem, a core problem, uh, known as uh, interoperability. So uh, going back to the Gold Rush idea, everybody went out, as you know, the... Uh, physicians and the uh, practices, et cetera, uh, of any size, really, they were getting $40,000 of uh, return uh, for that investment from the government. So I think it was a great effort on the part of the doctors to beef up their practices. Uh, The problem is that um, much of the data is unreliable. As you know, Brian, uh, in many cases, you have to run a paper-based system alongside of the uh, electronic health care record system. So from a productivity point of view, it's a disaster. But they're working through it. Uh, There will be changes coming down the line, I think, that will make the systems already invested in be able to talk to each other in the form of middleware and things
0: like that. I mean, that's the question. I mean, I look at it and I go, if we didn't have this barrier, and believe me, I'm all for IT. You know, I I help run it in my own hospital. But I look at it and go, I almost think in some respects we'd be better off on paper trying to do quality and doing it slower Than getting caught up in in so many of these things in the computers that are slowing us down. I mean, there are things that work well, but most of it, again, this is my opinion, was built by people who were IT people, not necessarily with physician involvement, and the workflow is totally different than what physicians do. In fact, it might be the opposite of what physicians do, and much of the information we gather you can't use the way you'd want. You can't get you know, hemoglobin A1Cs run in a graphic pattern to see where your patients are. You can't take 300 patients and put them in. Because to your point, one computer doesn't talk to the other. The health information exchanges aren't vibrant and up there and running. And even when they are, everything has an additional cost. And all of these things, not to be a naysayer, are getting in the way. And I look at it and go, are we like 10 years away from being even close to where we want to be? Because it does seem to be moving at a snail's pace. At a snail's pace.
1: I do agree with that. Uh, one of the challenges, though, is that paper can't be measured, really can't be, and you can't really transfer it efficiently. So uh, you were mentioning the Apple HealthKit uh, actually is the name of their new new product. It's pretty exciting, and I think you and I may have had some discussions on it in the past. What it does, it takes advantage of, A, a developer's framework. You know, frameworks are very, very important. The Apple system when it was introduced, uh, what, 10 years ago now, or whatever it is, the, uh, it was something that was so refreshing because it really took a holistic view of an entire industry, and they thought through the uh, key elements of that industry that needed to be addressed, needed to be brought into the fold, so that it really worked in a very effective and efficient uh, method. Uh, Apple, along with Google and Verizon and the gang of them, um, are coming up with integrated uh, management systems that, in my opinion at least, look very, very exciting because they will help the very problem you just mentioned, which is the bulkiness of the electronic healthcare uh, records and the systems they uh, actually plug into. With the Apple Health Kit, and I'll just use that one from an illustration point of view, it's actually a cloud. Uh, we talked about the cloud before. And within this cloud, uh, many different types of applications can be placed on the cloud. And the data that is generated uh, by the users that are using this application all reside and are stored on this cloud. And uh, once the users really want to see are actually being developed and they can be accessed and they can be in a positive way manipulated through information technology. And the whole goal that we were trying to achieve with electronic health records really now on an end-to-end basis can be satisfied.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is my guest, Dr. Charles Cleary. I want to be a little more optimistic, and we're kind of getting in that direction when we were talking about the negatives. I know there's a lot of positives, and I know what you do, um, being involved with leadership outcomes, and you you look at health information management and try to assess these things. What are some of the positives? And We, we talk about Apple. What are some of the things we as primary care docs can look forward to?
1: Well, you know, one of the things, if, if you take a look at, the industries that really have gone through the kind of transformation that healthcare needs to go through, two that I'm very, very familiar with, of course, or at least one of the two is telecommunications, and the other one are the, uh, happened to be the airline uh, industry. Both of those industries, Dr., were supported up front by the government in a very heavy fashion. As you know, telecommunications went through a dramatic transformation from a monopoly to probably one of the most efficient uh, industries that we happen to have here on the planet. Same thing for the airlines. You know, they're very, very efficient. So they had, like healthcare now has through the ACA, the kind of support that we really needed to get our act together and start to move in the right direction. Uh, when I was making some notes for tonight's call, I did mention American leadership and ingenuity and innovation, and I said, "Light that fire." And I believe the types of things that we're starting to see by aligning the items that we've been talking about is that we're creating that fire, relating that fire so that innovation through collaboration and uh, just the innovative capacity itself can just be discharged. And all of a sudden, all that power comes into the healthcare system. And you can see it from an investment point of view. The amount of money that the venture capital and the private investment community has put into uh, healthcare over the last three years is staggering. It's almost up to about $5 billion. And there are smart people, as you know, and they're not going to put money into something that doesn't have a good return on investment. Right now, the healthcare industry is by far the most attractive industry to invest in. And on top of that, some of the other things that are making it very, very positive is the uh, consumerization of healthcare. You and I, me specifically, you've always been there, but just as a consumer, I'm getting very involved in understanding such things as the health information exchange. What does it mean? How can I navigate it? Um, so the uh, risk sharing with the uh, deductibles going up, with the co-pays going up, I have an incentive to get smarter I have an incentive, as all my peers have an incentive, to get engaged, to gather knowledge. And that knowledge is the biggest pressure you can put onto that ecosystem that I was talking about before. Because in a way, that ecosystem's gotten stale. It's it's uh, the big cats, the fat cats, they like the status quo. The uh, ACA and the Health Information Exchange, uh, as I was relating to today, that is putting immense pressure on the status quo Uh, supply chain and it's telling them get your stuff together we are personally involved we have the internet to use for our research Uh, we have the doctors now that are going to be paid not for volume but for quality outcomes we have such things ICD-10 that's coming down the road that will make the, the codes and the procedures much more efficient to work with alternative payment systems and alternative delivery channels. And that is really scaring, the status quo, because that's known as bypass. You start bypassing the status quo, everybody gets shook up, and the consumers will definitely benefit from it. You have the things from a technology point of view, we were mentioning Apple. What about the wearables and all the uh, gadgets that we're wearing and all the measuring and tracking? Uh, that is supporting the process that you have to go through in family medicine, right? The day is going to come when all of your patients will be electronically connected to you and your, and your teams, and those people are not the ones you're going to have to worry about. You can sort of say, okay, they're being monitored, they're being measured, and they're happy to be uh, treated accordingly. The ones with the chronic illnesses that have to go into the hospitals, we will – reserve those critical facilities for the people that really need the best of support but much of the status quo in a positive sense that you and your patients will be collaborating with each other on will drive efficiency at the same time increasing the quality of care what a wonderful thing and we in the next couple years will stop the growth curve and if we can keep it static brian that's a good place to be
0: Charles Clear, I want to thank you for joining me and adding your insights. It's always very informative and well thought out, and we really appreciate your taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today to download the podcast and learn more on this series. Thanks again for listening.